You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Our guest today is Brian Byro. Way to go. You did it. I did it. I did it. For those of you watching the video, you're watching me go, did I get it right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love about my podcast is we just kind of wing it and go with it. And, and that's how it is. But he is known as America's Breakthrough Coach, which I am so excited to talk about. You don't even know about Brian yet. Wait till you hear about this. It's kind of interesting. But he's a major client. Described him. Uh, best when he said, Brian Byro has the energy of a 10-year-old, the enthusiasm of a 20-year-old, and the wisdom of a 75-year-old. He's delivered over 1,800 presentations around the world for the last 30 years, authored 15 different books, which I'm going to have you talk about your most recent one here in a few minutes, but authored 15 different books, uh, been a number one rated speaker for over 40 years, and magazines, conferences. His degree is in, from Stanford University and UCLA, and he's appeared on Good Morning America, so have I, and CNN, recently named one of the top 100 most inspirational graduates in the 75-year history of UCLA, which is really, really powerful because, you know, they have some great speakers come to their, to their graduation ceremonies, et cetera. So, and now one in one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the world. So we are in for a real treat with Brian um, inspiring us in a time when we're all just wondering what in the heck is going to happen next in this crazy world that we're in. So welcome to the show, Brian. Happy to have you. Jen, I'm honored and humbled to be with you. You reach so many people and make such a difference for so many people beyond the real estate market, beyond the, the mortgage market. You just affect people. So it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I want to get, I just want to jump a kind of right in and talk about how you got there, you know, we were talking or got to where you're at and what inspires you. But we had talked in the green room about the fact that this is your third career. And this is the one that you, you know, I hope love the most. It sounds like you do love the most. But, you know, what really propelled you or drove the passion for you to get into speaking? Well, you know, my first career, I was a United States swimming coach. When I was going to Stanford, I taught and coached swimming, put myself through Stanford, that and mega loans, which I really didn't love. But I realized that no matter what you do in life, it's the people business. And I love people. And I have a great belief that there are no overachievers. What I mean by that is we have more in us than we think. We have more potential than we think. And so in my first career as a coach, I was trying to work with young athletes to rise to their highest potential and realize that you really coach people. You don't really coach the sport. And probably I'd still be a swimming coach, except for I had no life. So I'm probably, Jen, the only person you know who went to graduate school to get a life instead of a job. And I did. That's when I met my wife. I started a family, ended up going to the corporate world, became a vice president of a large transportation company and then an international training company. And along that way, 
I started doing team building events in my own company because we were siloed. We were separated. We were so short of our potential because we were more about ego than we go. And so at the peak of that, we had this massive turnaround that was driven from the inside by our choices, not by the outside, not by the market. And at that point, I said to my wife, we're doing great. Let's quit. I got to go do this. This is what I love. This is what I was put on this earth to do. So, um, and that's never diminished at all. I, I love getting people off the sidelines and into the game to discover their potential to understand that life is about controlling your controllables. Focus on what you put in and the best will come out. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. And I mean, we can start diving into some of that. You were, thank you so much for sending me your books. I've been reading them because I mentioned to you, I'm a speed reader. So I kind of get through them really quickly. And there were, there were a couple of things that I thought were really interesting about what you did. And, and here's the funny thing. I did not know that you had any correlation with Coach Wooten, right? None whatsoever. And I have his book and I actually teach a portion of his uh, pyramid. pyramid. Yeah, I, I teach a portion of his pyramid of success to my students and share his, you know, an actual picture of it. And, you know, because I, I really do like that. And I was an athlete too. So I, I really understand, you know, how that works. But when you, you know, you had this wonderful meeting with him and you said, yeah, I'm going to adopt this, but I'm going to kind of take a twist on it. So tell us about the twist that you took on this pyramid of success, because his is more tactical and yours for me was more mindset. Well, that's wonderful. First of all, I just am so delighted to hear that you teach John Wooden because he was so much more than a basketball coach. For anybody who's oh, yeah. watching who does not know who he was, John Wooden was called the Wizard of Westwood. He, was, he won 10 national championships coaching UCLA basketball, but he was a better father, a better husband, a better person than he was a coach. And one yeah. of the things I cherish about my friendship with him, we lost him 11 years ago at the age of 99 and a half. So he had a, a great run and a great life. But what I cherish is the fact that here's a person who epitomized all of those things he taught in the pyramid of success, which are really about really focusing on the things that you control that we just talked about. And he treated people with dignity and respect. He was probably the kindest man I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And yet he was the greatest there ever was at what he did. And it yeah. shows that you can focus more on character than reputation because character is who you are, reputation only what others think you are. And it works. It rocks. It moves forward. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. I grew up admiring him. I grew up in Southern California and I love the way he treated people. You know, uh, he was the epitome of the opposite of the throw the chair kind of guy. Right, would, right. Uh, the, the degrading, the, yeah, all of yeah, that. He didn't beat on people. He was a gentleman. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about the most fierce thing he ever said was good gracious. You know, that was about it. But <laughs> he got his point across. Um, and so I was running, in my, I was in my second career. I was running this large international training company. And I thought, what would be better than to interview the guy that I thought was the best team builder I've ever seen? And so that first conversation was one of the, the most precious woos, window of opportunity moments in my life. And from that idea of the book came because I found that the things that I teach, which I call breakthrough leadership, mm -hmm. I love the fact, the other thing is I didn't realize that you use the word breakthrough a lot and everything. That's that what I was going to surprise you with. Yeah, no, I, you know, cracking the top producer code, breakthrough blueprint. Yeah. Everything I do is is about glass ceilings and breaking through. So it was just it was just alignment, right? It was alignment for us. It really was. And so I'm called America's Breakthrough Coach, partly because I've had close to a million people break one inch thick boards karate style in, in my events oh, as a metaphor of breaking through fears, obstacles, yeah. habits, or doubts. But what I looked at the pyramid of success was that it was a great roadmap 
to break through. There's something yeah. for everybody in each of those each of those blocks of the pyramid. And most of all, what John Wooden taught and has been, I didn't really realize that when I was coaching, I was almost coaching exactly his principles with just slightly different words. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But what his great focus is, he said that success is peace of mind. And that comes from knowing you've given the best of what you're capable of. So he was not focused on the result. He was yeah. focused on what you put in. And he used to wink at you and say, if you do that, you'll probably get pretty good results. So the greatest coach of all time never said the words winning or losing to his players. Never said the words. Hmm. Did he want to win? Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. What he course. wanted. He want the results? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but what he wanted was for each person associated with him to focus on, on their choices. And that's really what my take on the pyramid of success is. I look at those, each of those areas of choice where we get to decide, ultimately, it's really one choice. We choose fear or we choose love. That's it. Every one of those boxes in that pyramid is, will get you to that point. But I'm so glad to hear that you uh, have that connection to him too. And then oh, he's yeah. living on because yeah, absolutely. He, he was a great teacher. He never yeah, said absolutely. he was a coach. I love he that. Said he was a teacher. Well, yeah. And it's interesting. Even in my coaching for my clients, I don't, and I just had this conversation yesterday with someone as she said, I put my numbers in there. I put all my, my stats in there. And I said, you put your results in there and they're great, but I want to see how you got there. I want to see all of the pieces that are there because in those pieces are triggers and clues for me to see as your mentor from the outside ways that you can improve every single aspect so that your results are higher. Absolutely. So just giving me your results won't work. I need to see what's ticking underneath there, right? You know, how did you get to those? I love that. I love that. So Brian, what is a defining moment in your life that really propelled you from your perspective? You know, you talked about reputation and character. But from your perspective, not what everyone else said, oh, well, now he's made it. But what propelled you? What defining moment did you have in your life? Well, I'm going to cheat and give you two. Okay, okay good. Because we have many ceilings to break through. That's exactly right. Once we break <laughs> through one, there's another one. There's up. another one on the way. That's <laughs> right. Um, the first one was when I was pretty young. I, in fact, it was my senior year at Stanford. And um, I was amazed that I got into Stanford and, and I always said, you know, they must've had another Brian Byro and they messed up and they didn't take him and they took me instead. But I grew up like a lot of people my age with in a family where my dad was a tough guy mm -hmm. and never really, he just couldn't say he loved me. Just couldn't say he was proud no of emotion. me. Yeah. All that kind of thing. He was actually a LAPD. Today he's 90 years old. He's one of my dearest friends in the world. We, we have broken through an ultimate ceiling, but I never felt good enough. And at one moment of probably the darkest moment of my life where I wondered if I had anything worthwhile to give to this world, wondered if I even belonged in this world, it suddenly hit me that I had lived my entire life focusing on what I could get rather than what I could give. I was looking to be loved. And the pivotal change in my life, it may sound small, but it, it was incredible. It was revolutionary in, in me, it was a shift of one word. I shift from the focus on trying to be the best. That's what I had lived for. Because I thought maybe if I'm the best, my dad will be proud of me. Oh, yeah. Been down that road before. Yeah. Yep. And the shift was from the best to my best. Yeah. And instantly, everything in my life began to take on a whole different direction, a different trajectory. I was more fun to play with now. You know, you, <laughs> before that happened, you did not want to play a game with me because I had to win. win. 
And as soon as I shifted to just having fun being my best, guess what? I did better at whatever I was working at. So that was the first. Well, yeah. And it aligned with you because then anything else may not have been aligned with you. So that was the first breakthrough. What was your second breakthrough? The second was really much further along when I had become a speaker. And after about two years, I realized it's really the same lesson. (laughs) It just, you know, it broke through one ceiling and found myself at the same ceiling again. I realized that I was living for the the evaluations from the people in my events. Uh, mm -hmm, And I was sitting in the St. Louis airport. I had just spoken. I had a hundred evaluations. And because of the nature of what I do, which is I really get people off the sidelines into the game. I believe when you hear, you forget. Yeah. When you see, you remember, but when you do, you understand. Yeah. So that's why I have people breaking boards, doing something they didn't know they could do when they walked in that room. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting there. And so because of the way I, well, my passion for what I do and the fun that's in it, you know, I get 99 out of 100 say, changed my life. Wonderful. You know, yeah, there'd yeah. be one that would say pretty good. Inspiring, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But there was one that would say it was pretty good. And that's the only one I paid any attention to that, like, right. like a knife through my heart. And I finally sat there and realized, Am I doing this for the evaluations? If so, I'm not doing it for what really I'm here to do. And from that day forward, I shifted and I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't care about evaluations, but I didn't pay any attention to them because people who are going to give me input, I'll get that. But the rest was just a popularity contest. And it was amazing, Jen, because from that little shift, when I finished speaking, I was energized from then on out. Until that point, I felt like bone tired and because I was doing it for what I could get instead of what I could give. And as soon as that shift happened, here's the simple truth. Whenever you seek to enrich another person's experience, you can't help but enrich your own. So even when you start to focus on what you put in, it's going to automatically bring things back to you without forcing it. So those were two the two shifts, really the same principle, which is focus on my controllables when we focus on controlling our controllables, we feel momentum, we feel joy, we feel light, we feel flexible. When we try to control our uncontrollables, we feel frustrated, scared, lost, worried. And that is so huge right overwhelmed, now. Chaos. And overwhelmed, Overwhelmed. And that's <laughs> right now in this last year, that's what I see. That's why I think what you and I are doing right now is more needed than ever. Yeah. So that we help people get back on track to focusing on their choices and their controllables. Yeah. And get back on the right track. I think even before that, everybody was, there were so many people that were on the wrong. I shouldn't say everybody. There's so many people that were on the wrong track. And this was sort of the accident with the seatbelt, right? Where you just, you hit the wall, but you had a seatbelt, but it struck you in such a way that you said, I got to change things. I have to change things. So, you know, now is, is super important. I want to comment on a couple of things. And the now that's super important. Let me talk about that. And then I want to go back to this other thing and then ask you another question. And that is that, you know, I I felt like 2020, we were in a cocoon, we're still in a cocoon, right? And we have the choice, we can shrivel up and die, or we can emerge as a beautiful butterfly and and make ourselves better, right? And so uh, the other day, I was like, I know it, well, actually, it was on a, if you ever find this, you know, when you're speaking, you come up with a phrase and you're like, I don't, I can't forget that one. That's a new one. I got to add that to my podcast. I actually, when, I, when that happens, I say to somebody, please write that one down. Write that down for me. <laughs> right. So I was talking about something and I go, okay, so we went through the pivot and everybody, you know, you tried things, you reinvented yourself, you, you know, maybe lost weight or tried to lost weight. You did some things, you've been, had some success and you know, there's more to do, right? You realize that. And then I was like, okay, we got to get it done in 21. I was yes. I have a hashtag. So I started, I posted something and it went in and I started hashtag get it done in a thousand posts. 
All right. Oh, I love it's it. Like, oh, it's not my new thing, but but this is where I'm at this year. Is like get it done in 21. We had all year to kind of figure it out, do the research, do self analysis, reach out to people, find mentors, figure out what we were going to do. And again, a lot of people have had moderate success, and you and I both, you know, we pivoted and had success, you know, this year, regardless of what happened. But it's all about getting it done in 21. All Beautiful. about that. I love it. I'm going to steal that with great joy. Oh, yeah, because it's not my post. <laughs> <I'll> t- <laughs> I learned that one. <laughs> but uh, that kind of brings me to, you know, one of the things that you talk about a lot with people is the three keys to that personal and professional energy. Because when I say get it done in 21, my energy level just increases just by saying that and not going, oh, it's COVID. I'm saying I'm getting it done in 21. Watch out. Here I come because I'm going to get it done, right? And I love that you said, seek to get versus give, right? Because getting it done, right? Getting it done is not getting from people. It's doing what I promised, my own accountability for my own personal and professional development, what I said I wanted to get done this year. So can you share with us a little bit about, well, not a little, a lot about the three keys to personal and professional energy as we start off this new year. Absolutely. And, and I think the most important starting place about talking about energy is why is your energy so important? And why is your energy so important to your career, to your health, to your attitude, to your family? And there's really two fundamental reasons why energy is so crucial. And the first allows me to introduce your whole team to my favorite word. And it's the word W-O-O, which is woo, which incidentally, really fun to say. One, two, three, woo. woo. All right. Now, <laughs> yeah. woo stands for window of opportunity. Yeah. The woo is a window of opportunity, which is every precious moment. And mm-hmm. here's what I mean. You never know if the next person you'll meet today may become a lifelong friend, as you didn't know when you met a lifelong friend. You right. never know if the next time you talk to a customer, a prospect, your family, somebody you just met for the first time, if something you say, you know, get it done in 21, may be so on target for what that person didn't see with their own eyes, mm. but you saw it and then you said it and you see that right. when somebody's life got better. So the first reason why energy is so important is energy helps you seize more woos. Yeah. Have you ever noticed when you have more energy, like you just said, how much more yeah. alert you are to possibility? Yeah. How much more you're solution oriented? Most of all, when you think about 2020, within every adversity is planted the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Yeah. I say that again, within every adversity is planted the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. In other words, the toughest things we may our way through are the things from which we grow the most. Yeah. When you have energy, you look for that seed of possibility. When you don't, you get eaten alive by the adversity. So that's the first reason why energy is so important. Second reason, and this is huge, to your customers, to your children, to anyone that you care about having a major positive impact on your life, your energy is your example. Yes, energy by example. Mm-hmm. People won't remember that much of what you say, no matter how well you say it. it. Sounds like a funny thing for a professional speaker to say, but they'll never forget your energy. Mm-hmm. People know your energy watching this show. That's why they come back. They will remember a few pearls here and there, but most of all, what they do is they feel your energy and it's a positive contagious. Yeah. So that's why energy is so important. Then once we've got that foundation of the purpose behind energy, the first thing to understand is energy is a choice. And it, it most is. people don't think about that. They think yeah. that energy is like the weather. It's kind of like, hope the weather is good for the family picnic. Hope the roads stay good. Right. Energy is nothing like the weather. It is absolutely a matter of choice. But you need to understand what elevates that choice. How do we 
create energy by choice instead of chance in every precious woo. And the first is so simple that we miss it. And that is that energy is created by the way that you move. Right. Your Period. state. Change your energy state. is created by the way that you move. Anytime you've been at your best, you've given your best presentation, you've been your most creative, you have moved your body right. distinctly, diff- yeah, distinctly differently than when you've not been your best. Your body line posture, your facial right. expression, your eye position, your breathing. Yeah. I laugh because you just did that because I say this to some people. I go, well, Brian, if I had more energy, I'd move more. Right. Ah, move <laughs> right. more and you'll have You'll get more energy. energy. Yeah. And here's the simple truth. Yeah. If you want to move your career, if you want to move your business, if you want to move your health, you got to move yourself. All right. And so one great thing to do is to put yourself on what I call an ETP. That's an energy transformation program. And for say 30 days, consciously elevate your level of movement. Pick up your pace a little bit. Never sit at a computer for more than 15 or 20 minutes without getting up and moving around. Smile when you don't feel like smiling. (laughs) What will happen is, especially if you apply what I call the principle of exaggeration, you'll start to break through. Here's what I mean. When I was a swimming coach, I had many athletes who swam with a high elbow. That's good in swimming. But I had some who swam with a wide arm carriage. So they pulled out to the side of their body under the water. Not good because you don't have leverage out there. Where you want to pull is down the center line of your body, right? Where you have the most power and balance. But if I said, Jen, to a swimmer who I can clearly see is swimming way out here, pull down the center line of your body. What do you think they answered back to me? I am. Oh, I am. Whatever we feel feels normal. Right, right, right. right. And they want to do it right. So they think they're pulling down the center line of your body. So does it do me any good as their coach to say to that person who's clearly swimming out here, pull down the center line of your body? No, it does me harm because they look at me like, coach, you need glasses. I'm doing it. I am doing right. it. Right. That so that's our state. Yeah. Exaggeration. Yeah. And I would say to that person whose arms way out here, when your right hand hits the water, pull it way over to your left. And with your left hand, pull it way over to your right. And as soon as I say to a swimmer who swims out here to pull way over there, guess where they pull? Right down the center. Right down the center, because now it's into the center. Yeah, exactly. So how does that feel to them? Totally weird. And here's the point. You will not change your energy until it feels weird. But if you stay with it, you'll groove into it. So number one way to change your energy instantly, it's the fastest way, is to change the way you move. Move your body to move your life. The second is more profound, is more constant, is more unstoppable. And I can tell it's the one that really is the strongest for you. And the fact is, if you dial into the second key to extraordinary energy, you will move differently. So that will automatically affect your movement. And it is called the power of purpose. Yeah. Whenever you're full of purpose, you're full of energy. Mm -hmm. You ever notice when you get to do what you love to do, it doesn't matter how much sleep you had. It doesn't matter how you've been feeling. When you get to do what you love to do, you are five years old, like my little grandson, and, and anything's possible. Well, what happens when you lose sight of your purpose? Like somebody puts a big old pin in it. So- How can we on our ETP, our energy transformation program, Mm -hmm. focus on purpose in a fresh new way? Well, here's what I invite you to do for 30 days. You probably already do this, but for the next 30 days, every morning when you wake up, ask yourself, what am I truly grateful about in my life? Mm -hmm. What am I truly grateful about in my life? All emotions have frequencies. The highest frequency, the highest vibrational emotion is gratitude. So what you are truly grateful about will put you on a pathway towards your priorities. Your priorities towards will take you to purpose. So when I speak, the first, before I speak, the last thing I do 
is I bring this big photo of my family with me and I spend individual time with each of them because they are my purpose. And I recognize as soon as I do that, that if I don't give everyone in that audience the best I have to give right here, right now in this woo, I'm not giving them my best and I simply won't do it. So when you fill with purpose, energy just flows and energy is infinite. It is not finite as long as you're full of purpose. The third way is the power Mm -hmm. of questions. The quality of the questions you ask yourself will determine the quality of your life. The quality of the questions you ask your team will determine the quality of your team. Mm -hmm. So the more you ask questions of possibility rather than limit, the more you're going to elevate your energy. So those three things, change the way you move, focus daily on purpose, and start to ask enabling, empowering questions. All right. And that will transform your energy to where you feel like a seven-year-old kid every day. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's it's so powerful. And it's definitely powerful because one of the things I teach, what I teach is priority management, right? Priority management. And you can't do that if you don't have purpose. And a lot of people say, you know, how do you get it all done, Jen? How do you get it all done? And that's why I'm able to get it done because I have that purpose. I have the energy and therefore I can get it done twice as fast as everybody else. And that's what you're saying too, you know, is the same thing. So I want to ask you a question about, you know, specifically in the mortgage and real estate, you know, space, because that's most of our audience here for this particular podcast is right now, one of the biggest challenges that everyone's having in this industry. And I shouldn't say everybody, I know there's some exceptions to this, but if you're familiar with the four stages of growth, and I know some people talk about the five, I'm not, I don't talk about the fifth stage typically, but the four stages of growth, you know, are formulation, concentration, momentum, and stability. And so what happened is exactly a year ago, as we're recording this particular podcast, everyone was singing the blues. I don't know if I can stay in the business. I don't, I can't find business. All had binoculars on looking for more leads and more opportunities, you know, and, you know, just woe is me. And then they got thrust into this momentum in this moment and not prepared for it, not prepared for it. And yes, it's exciting. And everyone's high-fiving themselves, having their best year. My concern, and this is why I said get it done in 21, is you you have to get this done. You have to get the foundation so that you don't drop back down to formulation again when the market changes against you. So that said, that said, everyone's in momentum. They don't have time. Their energy, the assumption would be their energy would be really high because they're doing a bunch of things, but it's actually pretty low because they're so overworked, not prepared. For this type of volume that they've been experiencing. And it's at every level. If you did, you weren't doing any business and now you're doing some, if you were doing some and now you're doing more, if you were already a top producer and now you're just killing it, there's a level of energy that's a little tough to pull in and it's sustainability issue. Can I do this another year without creating something that helps me be sustainable, you know, a foundation. So what is your counsel for everyone coming from that place? What is your counsel for everyone to not only do the three keys to try to to get the energy, but to really snap yourself out of the funk you're in with your energy? Because I don't think it's just I'm here and I want to have more energy. I'm feeling buried and I need to get to a level where I can even approach this. Great question. And, and I think it's, it's definitely huge in your industry. And because part of that is market driven from what's changed in your market. 
but it's really true for anybody who's in any industry to some degree. So what we want to do is understand that we are creatures of habit. And what right now is, is a window of opportunity to generate incredibly good habits that take you forward, whether you're whichever stage you're at. Yeah. Um, The first is to understand that you can shape your future. And that is about vision. You have to see it before you can be it. Yeah. Uh, And there are two facets that we control about our vision. The first is where so many people get lost. I'll use a metaphor. My little grandson name is named Augie. He's four years old and he's really a really talented little rider on his tricycle. Well, pretty soon he's going to be riding a two-wheeler. And right in front of him on the sidewalk is a great big rock. What does Augie focus on? The rock. The rock. What happens? Wham, he hits the rock and falls over. Two weeks later, same little guy, but he's got bike riding down. Boppity, 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 bop. Bigger rock. What happens now? He goes around it. Yeah. And what goes around it first? The front. His eyes, not oh, the bike. Eyes. Oh, yeah, no question, because he's got more vision. Yeah, yeah. What we're saying is, is yeah. that understand this foundational truth about shaping your future. What you focus on is what you create. No question. What you focus on is what you create. And then ask yourself a question. What am I focusing on? Something we talked about earlier in this conversation. Am I only focusing on, on the things I don't control? Am I focusing on the result instead of what I do to create that result? Shift your focus and you begin to go around the rock. The second aspect of shaping your future is to not use your memory to see. I've asked probably three quarters of a million people this question. Now, you've read my book, so you know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. And everyone who's watching your podcast or listening to your podcast, answer out loud. What color is a yield sign? (laughs) We all know this one. (laughs) I've said this. I've spoken to, as I said, at least half a million people have answered. Every audience answers yellow. Well, they're red and white. Yeah. They changed 45 years ago. Why don't we see them? Because we use our memory to see. Uh, Not just about street signs, but about ourselves, about our possibilities. And so when you start to understand that almost everyone you know rarely uses their vision to see, they use your memory to see, you have a tremendous opportunity to open your eyes fresh because there are possibilities all around. So step one to really take that charge is to shape your future. The second is what we talked about, to energize and understand when you talked about the way you described the question, you're really talking about that state of overwhelm that some people get into. Oh yeah, overwhelm, chaos, overworked, you know it, yeah. There is only one antidote to successfully deal with overwhelm. And it's really ties into your get it done in 21 is do one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Take your most, ask yourself this question. Right? If you become someone who ingrains this question, you will have such an advantage in your marketplace, such an advantage in your life. And the question is, what is my most important next step? Mm -hmm. What is my most important next step? And what's not my easiest next step? You know, we get a to-do list, priority management. A lot of times we want to just check off stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not the important next step. Maybe the most important next step is you need to sit down with your daughter and have a conversation and let her know how important she is. That's more important than anything else in that moment. Most of us are just trying to check stuff off the list. And that leads to more overwhelm. Do the most important next thing. The third is probably the most important one of all, in my opinion, and, and you voiced it in the way you asked the question earlier, mm-hmm. and that is to control the controllable called presence, to yeah. be fully present. Now, what does that mean? When you're fully present, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with the person you're with where they are now. Yep. And whenever you do that, you send an unstoppable message that that person is important. 
So you need to take time to be present with others and you need to take time to be present with yourself. Being present is the most powerful way. When you say you get more things done, it's because you're present. Yeah. It's, when, you, it's intentional. You're going to be present. You get more done. It's um, intentional. It's intentional. Yeah. So, yeah. and I'd say the last thing I would do is to become what I call a blame buster. The single most disabling trait that people develop is the word blame, B-L-A-M-E. And here's why. Blame has no functional purpose in life. Now, I'm not saying that we don't mess up. We do. Right. But, but why does blame serve no productive purpose? Well, here's why. Think about blame in the context of time. Is blame about the past, the present, or the future? Past. It's always about the past. So mm -hmm. the instant you fall into blame, where are you? In, the in past. my memory. That's right. Where you can do nothing. <laughs> right. You know, so a blame buster, which you are to yourself too, doesn't pretend we don't mess up. They say, what happened? What can I learn? What will I do now? They take it from the past where there's no productive purpose to the present that leads to a better future. So those are some of the key things that your energy is a choice to be fully present with people and with, with what you want to get done to do one thing to fight overwhelm and take charge of your vision and ask yourself, what have you been focusing on? Since what you focus on is what you create. How many of us are focusing, worrying about what will go wrong than creating what will go right? Yeah. And I definitely think that that happens, especially with this type of volume that's happening there. You know, the, the bottom line is there's a hundred things that can go wrong when someone buys a house, a hundred things, both in the, the home portion and the mortgage portion, a hundred things can go wrong. And focusing on all of those hundred things is just a waste of time. It, it absolutely it is. is a waste of time. And I, I, I don't know how many times I said that, you know, the law of familiarity, everything that you're saying is just needs to be heard from you today. <laughs> oh, so I'll give you a personal story about this. We just refinanced. Okay. Right? Yeah. We, yeah. And it was like, North Carolina, and I was talking to our, our mortgage refinance person, just a wonderful person. You know, she talked about how incredibly busy they've been this yeah. past year. Yeah. But she is a shining example of someone who is fully present. Now mm -hmm. in the technological age, being present means to get back to people quickly. Even when you don't have an answer, if somebody reaches out to you, you get back to them and say, I will find out and give them some sort of schedule and then walk your talk and follow through. Her business is absolutely thriving. She's loving it because she's fully present. And that add, that combines and synergizes with her energy. Yeah. So she doesn't look at it as overwhelmed. She looks at it as, wow, it's crazy right now. I'm going to ride this wave. I'm going to keep these habits of being present, of really being energized and understand that being present one-to-one -one in physical form is vitally important. But in the technological age, it's also about getting back to people and surprising them. Because so many, what happens when we get overwhelmed? What happens when we're not present? We put stuff off and then we forget it. Yeah, we check out. We check and then out. that person feels unimportant. Remember, being present conveys to anyone you're present with, you are important. You matter. You count. I care about you. And when you do that, you're going to have a shining career. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to tell you, I mean, I have a story like that too. And I, I'm pretty sure I've said it on this podcast. Probably, I mean, when you had a podcast for six years, you don't know what you've said. I just don't know. I'm, I'm sure I've said the same thing a thousand times. But, you know, I, you know, years ago, uh, before, you know, I was doing very well, but I wasn't the mega producer that I was. I hadn't figured out the code and cracked the code on everything. And, you know, I was just having, I was doing what everybody else was. I was just doing, chasing objects and trying to, do everything to, because that must work. That's a shiny object. That's a magic pill. I, you know, if I do that, it'll work. And I had emailed a bunch of people and said, Hey, 
could you give me like three or four words to describe me? Because what you describe me is how I'm going to create my brand instead of me thinking one thing, right? So I got all these big, beautiful accolades, you know, and I said, be honest, right? Be honest. And it was like, oh, you're great. And you, you know, you're great. But then one person came back and said, not present. And so I had to get my big girl panties on and I had to call him and say, okay, you said I wasn't present. Tell me, help me understand this because I'm, I'm freaking out about it, right? And he said, oh, great. Jen, you're great. You're great. He goes, you know, you do so many great things. He said, but when you have all these events, you're just like a, you know, a bride at a wedding. You're just running around and talking to everybody and superficially having conversations. And he said, if I could just watch you have two or three really good conversations and I go, but then I wouldn't be able to talk to you. He said, no, I don't care about that. He goes, it's what I'm observing. It's what I'm watching. People are watching you. And when they're watching you and they see that you're taking the time to have an in-depth conversation with one or two people, they feel like they're part of it. When you're running around like that, they don't feel like they're part of anything. That is a very good friend and very, very beautiful. And and I, I can see you took it to heart because oh. Oh, changed my life. I've been on many, many podcasts and I would say you are as present in interviewing someone as oh. anyone I've been with. Well, so, thank you. I'm looking but, over for more questions. That's why I'm looking over. It's I, like, I, know, I have a I list know. of questions and I'm taking copious notes because I learn all the time. Yeah. Well, and that's you. another wonderful key is the fact that you are a lifelong learner expresses something that is never taught and I think is more important than it's ever been. And that yeah. is the, the importance and the power of humility. Ooh, yeah. Being humble. <laughs> you know, a lot of people think humble is sort of a weakness, which is silly. It's but not. being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself. You can be very confident and be very humble because being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It means if you think of yourself less. But the yeah. reason why humility is so key to being successful to having a great life, only those who are humble are lifelong learners. Yeah. Only those who are humble would rather say, oops, that I didn't do that well and learn from it than have to be right. And so yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that you're taking copious notes to, you know, on your 697th uh, your <laughs> podcast um, shows that you're always looking to grow. And that means being humble means you know you can get better. That was uh, probably one of the most humble people I know was John Wooden. And here he was the most successful of all time. Yeah. He would go in the summers and go to a high school coach's camp, sit in the stands because he'd heard that coach had something really good that they- Oh, yeah, that he wanted to learn from. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine that high school coach looking up and seeing John Wooden in the stand? Yeah. Whoa, he'll forget everything he knows. But that was John Wooden yeah. always, always looking to get better each day. If you live with that sense, it also fills you with energy yeah. because you're, you're always pursuing growing and learning and it's fun. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between confidence and cockiness. I know some top producers in the mortgage and real estate space and other areas, right? I mean, we both really drive, you know, we're around a lot of speakers and, you know, they can get very cocky. And I think, you know, when I can come in with confidence and be humble, it's so much better than the cockiness because I, it already tells me they're not humble. And there's some speakers out there that I don't care if I share a stage with because they are just not my kind of people, right? And I don't know if I was cocky when all that was happening. I, I just know that I was trying to, I was scrambling to create something in my life and just felt that the scramble and that, that hustle was the way to go. And I've learned, you know, it's not about the hustle. It's about alignment. And, you know, once you're aligned with who you are and you decide to make choices, as you said, to dedicate and focus your energy on the things that matter most, the things that are going to move the needle on your business or move the needle in your relationships, 
with your spouse or, or business wise, you're just going to be so much better off in the long run. You yeah. absolutely will. It's, it's really a, a kind of a play on the, on the kiss principle. Keep it simple. Superstar. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like superstar. I know that's uh, good. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's another parallel. When I first started be- speaking, I wanted to get everything I could possibly think of out there. And I would look at people and it, it's the same kind of a feeling as yeah. if you drink it from a fire hose. Yeah. All you do is get thirsty. Yeah. Right? When you come down to what's most important, your priorities, when you come down and make it that much simpler, what happens is you give people and yourself the opportunity to progress, to really work on something. And then you can go to the next and then to the next. But when you try to jam so much in, you end up with nothing. So that's really a foundation of keep it simple. Another John Wood and key thing was that he was really about simplicity, um, yeah, really making things understandable, clear. And you have to do that to yourself. Some people think complicated is smart. Simple is smart. Yeah, yeah. That's really important too. And I think that's what makes you so good at what you're doing is you're making it very simple for people to understand. And, you know, just, just like drinking a fire hose, I've suggested many times is that listen to this podcast, then go back and listen and take notes, then go back and listen again, then go back and look at your notes. And then when are you going to put it into action? Let's put, decide of all those things that I've heard over and over and over. I've heard this one thing four times in all that process. That must be something that's resonating with me and I need to take action on it because it's just not enough to listen to. I mean, podcasts are great. It depends on the podcast, right? As far as what the content is, but this is personal and professional development. That's all that Mortgage Lending Mastery is. So I just want to say thank you for that. I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you one last question. And that is that, you know, as we come up into, we're already here. (laughs) I don't know. I keep thinking we're still not in 21. (laughs) Um, And yet at the same time, I'm in April for some reason in my mind, right? But, you know, as we're coming up to this year, because some people still haven't done a business plan, they still haven't figured it out. As we're coming up into here, what is the word that you're hearing out there in the, you know, in the big world? Because there's a word that I think is out there. It's not your word. It's what are you seeing is the thing that is big this year. I mean, Mm. it's big. That's a great question. And and one that I haven't thought about before. So I appreciate (laughs) it. I guess for me, the word is... I kind of torn between two words. One we've used a lot already, which is energy. Right. I think that we've been so, uh, 2020 was a year of paralysis for so many people. And we just need to re-energize. But the other one is flexibility. So it's Mm -hmm. flexibility and energy to me are the combination that we have. You know, and it goes along with what you just said, take action. When we shoot a rocket from the earth to the moon, it travels what's called teleologically. And what that means is, if we just let it go straight, it's going to miss. Mm-hmm. It depends on feedback, but we have to act on that feedback. So we have to pay attention to what's working. It's just like if you hold the wheel on your car, you're going in the ditch. You can't. Yeah, you can't. You have to make those small you adjustments. You got to make those constant adjustments. Yeah. So, but you make no adjustments if you're not in motion. So to me, it's really about the concept of energy with flexibility. That's what we need in 2021 to feel that will fill us with a f- sense of, of hope over fear. It'll feel us with a sense of faith over doubt. And that's where we really need to do. Yeah, I love it. I love what you said. And I hope everyone heard it. And I tried to write it down and I didn't catch it completely. But I, I know that you're going to say it again for me is that without any motion, there's no adjustment, yeah. right? Yeah. You have to have that motion in order to even make adjustments. And I think that's super key because, you know, so many people are just stifled. They're just stifled. And you said paralysis, but it's numb. 
numb, you know, and not knowing what, what step to take. So um, I do think energy is powerful because that's the only way you can take the, the step. I don't know if you know it or not, but my company is called Kinetic Spark Consulting. <laughs> I didn't know that, but it sure makes sense. I love it. <laughs> and it's called that for that very reason is taking action and putting, you know, the spark plug needs to be there as well. I, it's not just, you know, the movement, it's the spark makes the movement happen. And my entire practice is about taking action. I absolutely love that. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple really funny questions. Ooh, funny, off I love guard it. As we kind of finish up. Yeah, as we finish up. So thinking back on your childhood, what was your favorite TV show? Leave it to Beaver. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm dating That's myself. Wally, Wally. Wally, yeah, or Eddie Haskell. Go, <laughs> yeah, give right. the, the business. You know, I guess it was because I was kind of that age at the same time and I could relate to the whole deal. And I, I think part of it was I, I really loved his dad was like, I wish my dad was that kind of uh, mysterious. involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was kind of a mysterious guy. Yeah, I love that. I also love that. What was your favorite candy or what is your favorite candy? If you- Ooh, that's easy. That's like a Heath bar. It's, I, Heath love, bar. I love um, that combination of chocolate and a taffy or a toffee. toffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not yeah, taffy, that pulls your teeth out. But yeah, taffy. that pulls your teeth off. Yeah, it's more, um, yeah, condensed. I can't yep, yep. what it is. <laughs> I know, that's so funny. That is so funny. And I was going to ask you what your favorite sport was, but I think I know, swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so that part's easy. Well, it's um, what kind, you know, what kind my of favorite music? sport to coach was swimming. Yeah. My favorite sport to do was running. Oh, wow. Well, running. Yeah. running was my, um, I ran several marathons and and it was a place where I would percolate, where things would, without forcing things, things would come together. It was a real important part of my writing process was running. So yeah. I love that. Well, uh, you know why? Because we vibrate, our energy vibrates, is, you know, at the same that the earth does. And so that's why when people are frustrated, they're like, I got to get outside and get some fresh air. No, you have to go out there and reset and recalibrate yourself to the world. And well, and it's interesting because you had talked about gratitude, you know, waking up with gratitude. It's even more powerful when you do a gratitude walk because you're getting the benefits of both. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Time. Great idea. Ask yeah. that question. What am I truly grateful about when you're outside breathing in that incredible air? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So last question on this is what was your favorite board game? Ooh, well, actually it's, um, oh gosh, I'm flaking out on the name of it. It's the word game. Scrabble. Oh. Well, no. Oh, gosh. Well, when I was a kid, it was Risk. Because risk. it was, Risk yeah. was a really great game because it was so strategic and you were trying to control the whole world. And so I played <laughs> that with a bunch of buddies and it always turned out that the key to controlling the world was Australia. But we, and that was the secret to it. But that was, I really enjoyed that kind of strategic thinking. Yeah. Do you have a Risk game in your house? We don't now. We should, though. We have uh, all kinds of other ones. We'll That's have to one of the reasons why I again. asked the game. Yeah. So I just clicked your reticular activator. So the next time you go to That's the store, right. you're going to think about a Heath bar. You've got my reticular <laughs> activating system in gear. That's right. As I say, get your RAS in gear. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, Brian, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, how can we help you? Tell us how we can help you. And we'll have lots of links, obviously, to to get information if someone would love to have you come and be a speaker at their uh, company or their event. But how else can we help you? Well, I love what I do. It's what I'm put on this earth to do. So the chance to speak to people, whether virtually or in person, who knows when we'll be in person is, is a gift to me. Because as I said, whenever you seek to enrich another's experience, you can't help but enrich your own. So my website is really the key to find me. It's brianbyro.com. It's pretty simple. 
I'm really excited about my newest book. It's called The ROI of Kindness. Yes, I have it. It's good. I love it. I've been reading it. And actually, I haven't been reading it at night. I grabbed it to read because you sent me to. So I grabbed it and I read. I started, I said, oh, I'll just read it while I'm watching TV and kind of flip through it and blah, blah, blah. And then I said, I think I tried to do it a couple nights. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to move this to my miracle morning for my reading in the morning. And I'll kind of bounce back and forth between my uh, soup for the soul Catholic version. which is what I'm doing now <laughs> into the ROI of kindness. But awesome. I, yeah, I love that. So now when did you release that book? And we can get it on Amazon, obviously. In 2020. And you really can't get it on Amazon. Oh, you can't. Oh, okay. You have to go to inspirekindness.com. Nice. Uh, it's actually, it's kind of a unique way that we market this book. And the concept is pretty simple. Many people think kindness is weak in business, but the book really points out in, in a striking way, a fun way, First, that that is old, wrong thinking. The kindness is the single biggest generator of engagement. And then lastly, it teaches us, how do you really deliver kindness in the ways that matter? And I call it the seven habits of being a CKO, which is a chief kindness officer. So yeah, I know you have a lot of acronyms in that book. (laughs) I'm like, what's a CKO? And what's it? And then there's another KKO proposition, a KVP. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, oh, that's right. It was a value proposition because I was like, oh, it's not like a USP. It's a little bit different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. I've had so much fun. We, We had, this is one of my longest podcasts in probably a year. Oh um, but the time just went. So it it's is. good. I, and, wow. I can't believe it. I did. No, I know. Normally I don't do that, but uh, just hang in there with us guys. And hopefully you did at the end. So again, thank you so much for joining us today and, and being part of this and sharing your inspiration for mortgage lenders and real estate agents and the other solopreneurs and sales professionals that are listening in as well. I know that everyone got something from it. So as we leave, give us one word other than energy today, give us one word to send us on our way presence. Good one. (laughs) Thank you, Jen. It was an honor. It was a privilege. Thanks for all you do and all you are. Thank you so much. So we will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. And just a reminder, everyone, please write a review, give us a five-star rating. And if you ever have a topic that you want us to discuss, or you have someone that you think would be great on the show, or you would like to be on the show as part of our panel that we do this year, please send an email to support at kineticsparkconsulting.com and we will respond to you immediately because that's what we're supposed to do, right? You got it. (laughs) All right, catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, Don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.